We're back, and just in time for your holiday traveling pleasure. 40 minutes of it or so, anyway. I'm Tom Maley, and after a few months off, this is Write You a Song. Every once in a while, we've had a guest who didn't grow up intending to be a songwriter. Rodney Clawson comes to mind. Liz Rose, and there may have been one or two others. Those rare exceptions where the craft kind of found them. And I think we can add Jordan Fletcher to that list. Plus, we need to create a new list because he never really intended to become a singer either. Jordan was a drummer, is a drummer still, although his hands are usually busy with an acoustic guitar these days. But as you'll hear, drumming informs his playing and writing style. Jordan is also a husband and a father at the front end of a promising music career that almost never happened because of the pandemic. And ironically, it was the lockdown that inspired one of his first outside cuts, a song Riley Green fans will recognize. You won't likely be familiar with many of Jordan Fletcher's own songs unless you have his EP, but that's fine. You will recognize their quality instantly. They're clever, they're personal, and they're authentic, just like the drummer who wrote and sings them. Jordan Fletcher now on Write You a Song. We're FaceTiming this and you're outside and it looks kind of chilly. Where are you? So I'm in Nashville. I just got back, woke up in Boston this morning, uh, played the last radio show of the year, and it's good to be back home. I'm hoping it doesn't rain while we're in the middle of this. So it's going <laughs> and run inside. <laughs> It'll end up looking like a Garth Brooks video then. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> That'll be fine. So uh, you're a good person to talk to. I've, I've, uh, been listening to, to your music first came to know you because you played a, a, a golf event of ours last fall. And our boss yeah. said, you got to talk to this young guy. And so we did like a little 10 minute chat and I'm just, I'm really impressed with your, your songwriting and, and singing. And normally on this podcast, we talk to really established songwriters. Only in a few instances, we talk to people who are just kind of getting going, especially singer songwriters. A lot of times you talk to these guys, these men and women who are veterans and, and you hear their story and it, it almost seems preordained, but you're still in that point where you're still out there grinding as much as you can. Uh, well, I'm just thinking when, like my perspective on where I'm at. I, that's a, that's an awesome, awesome question. Um, that changes. Because like you said, it's not like it's, uh, we're not at cruising altitude as some might say, you know what I mean? We're, we're still, still getting the plane off the tarmac mm-hmm. and we've got to do a lot of stuff this year, but like, you know, um, I moved to Nashville with hopes of just getting a pub deal. And I got that two years in, which is pretty early for a lot of people. And so I've, uh, gotten my fair share of like really incredible successes and and, inc- and and incredible blessings since I've been here. It's just uh, what I'm finding is no matter no matter where you set your goal line, once you get there, you're always looking further. So it's it's never that goal. It's it's always you're gonna push it as far as you it's it's like, okay, I, I want a pub deal. Okay, now I want some cuts. Okay, now I want a record deal. Okay, now I want a song on the radio. Okay, now I want a number one. Yeah. Now I want to have enough money to do this and sell out this many and it's it's like it's never ending. Um so I'm kind of in the middle of recognizing that that's kind of where I'm at. I'm in the middle of the goalpost constantly shifting back, which is cool because that means we're moving, which is, which has been fun. But, um, I'm also in this unique spot, like as a songwriter, um, that I, I just finished like writing this full autobiography album for myself, which was like a huge break in what I'd been doing, which was like broad pitch songwriting. You know what I mean? And that's, 
a whole different world to, you know, what I did, what I did for this album, you mm-hmm. know? So it's cool. I'm, I'm getting the, it's kind of like the, like the switching back and forth is, is, is a, it's a little tricky sometimes, but I think it's just making me better and more comfortable as a writer. All right. Let's, uh, let's start a little before that. And when did you d- decide you're from Jacksonville, Florida originally, when did you decide yeah. I'm, I'm going for it. I'm, I'm, packing up my stuff. I'm moving to Nashville. What gave you the confidence or the audacity to think that you could do this? I think it, it did feel like talking about being preordained. It felt like I was kind of getting called in that direction for one reason or another. I'd never really written songs when I moved to Nashville. I think I'd written like four songs when I moved to Nashville. Um, and I was just playing drums but like not even, I mean, I was playing for some churches and stuff like that, but it wasn't like my full-time job. I wasn't really in music. Um, I was just like at school surfing, doing that whole thing, uh, not doing great at school. And so it just seemed like I was like, I'm just going to go do something else right now. And I think there's been this thing, this, this thread of, um, of just never ending optimism that what I'm going to do is going to work for whatever reason. I, I think it's uh, I think everyone that's in this industry kind of kind of has to have a little bit of that. just kind of stupid uh, optimism. fine, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, that's the way a modest and, person would put it. Other people would say, you've got to have confidence in yourself. You have to believe in yourself. Right. Well, so it's that's something that it's, it's tricky too, because you know this industry changes like the tides, and so does success or perceived success, whatever. And so it's like, um, yeah, not to get too far down into the story. It's just, uh, yeah, I think it was just a matter of, uh, a blissful ignorance and, you know, some friends that moved up here and it seemed like a good time, you know, talk about, and maybe you don't even sense this as, as a, as an artist, but are there pressures, uh, to, to try to, cause you mentioned trends in Nashville or alluded to that. Um, is there uh, like a tendency, especially as a, a new singer songwriter wanting to be, you know, seen and discovered, um, is there, is there pressure to imitate somebody else? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think that's an inevitability. I think, um, any artist, and I'm not saying this as like a veteran cause I'm not, but from what I've experienced, it seems like most artists have to do that whenever they came in, like, cause I remember when I first moved to town. The, tr- the 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 thing that everybody seemed to be doing was like Eric Church was like the thing everybody dressed like Eric Church and wanted to do the Eric Church thing and then it moved a little more FGL thing and then you know what I mean like that whole thing happened and you notice those trends because you, you're 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 trying as hard as you can to find some footing to to have a, a place to start and it's like I don't know a ton of people that moved to Nashville and knew exactly who they were without any reason to believe that it was going to be successful. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, oh yeah, I don't have, I don't make money. Nobody listens to my music, but this is who I am. And I'm always going to be this person. You know what I mean? I think what you have to do is you got to, you know, run the road that it seems like everybody's doing until it breaks your heart. And then you have to say, okay, I'm just going to do me. I, I think the best thing that ever happens to artists and songwriters in Nashville is that Nashville breaks their heart because then they have to actually throw away the rule book and they know the rules because you've been doing it for years. You've been writing these songs, you know, the, you know, the program, you get to the point to where you learn the language and then you kind of have to deconstruct it and something has to happen for you to do that. Cause if, 
you came to Nashville, it all worked out, you wouldn't change anything. Why would you fix something that that wasn't broke? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like, for me, the best thing that ever happened was certain things that I tried to do didn't work. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, well, then I'm just going to figure out what I am. You do have a, a, a unique style. Can you tell me something that, that in your words, that, that broke, that you realized, ah, that, that, that ain't me or it's not for me? Man, I think I wasn't as overt, like, trying to change style or look. I mean, with, and, and not to say that any of that's wrong or right. I, I've always kind of been similar in that way. But as far as my songwriting is concerned, you know, I remember, like, I was trying as hard as I could to get outside cuts, and then I would just try and, like, whatever that person just put out, i just dive in and try and, like, you know, just dissect it and do the whole thing. And, and like I said, that made me a better writer because I, you know, learned how to do bullseye writing which is someone goes hey man we need something like this and up tempo for kenny and he needs this and he's going in the studio next month go for it and you don't get it but you learn how to try and do that and then you start getting better at you know pointing the arrow in the direction shooting and 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 landing on what you're trying to hit you know what i mean so yeah i think that was it i had to do that and then i i remember i for a while i tried to do like sync placement stuff like uh movies and like netflix and stuff like that and that didn't quite work out. And it wasn't until like COVID that I got my first major label cut with Riley that things started really moving in that direction. And we weren't even trying to do it. And of course, that's how that works. Like just when you've like kind of thrown your hands up and gone, okay, I don't get it, whatever. Then it falls into place. You're, you're talking about uh, Better Than Me with Riley Green. And yeah. um, so you're, and I was going to ask you, was that one of the songs that you were kind of trying to write to the artist? But you're saying that was one where, nope, you just, you went in and just as so many art, uh, songwriters say, you wrote what was in the room that day. This is a perfect example of like something breaking your heart. And, and I'll, I keep saying breaking your heart and, and I'll address, because I kind of have, I have a new kind of view on that recently. Uh, but what happened was the industry shut down. We wrote that song. It was me, Gary, Charlie, uh, Gary and Charlie from Muscadine Bloodline and Ray Fulcher. We were doing this thing to where we were like, okay, the world shut down. Let's try zoom writing. We'd never done it. This is like our second zoom ride. And we started every Wednesday we get on this thing. We go in and we write this song better than me. It's about the world in the state it was in. We weren't trying to get any cuts. Nobody was cutting. We, we'd given up on trying to make money at that point. We were like, hey, hey, ain't going to happen. And so we get in, and I was sitting right here, right, like at this spot on the table. And I was doing the Zoom right, and I'm doing this thing. And uh, I remember we got half the song. And I was like, all right, guys, I'll just do this first chorus, first chorus. I'll put it, put my phone down right here on the table. Did it, sent it to JD, my guy at Seagale. He sent it to Riley. And Riley, I guess, was at home, you know, just doing stuff. And he goes, I love it. Can I finish it? It's half a song. He sends us back the added bridge and a changed chorus. And then he ran with it and they recorded it twice. And it did so much for me. It just kind of was like out of the blue, it seemed like. And it was one of those songs that not only were we not trying to get anything, we knew we weren't going to get anything. With it. <laughs> Psychologically, that's a huge difference. It really is. It wasn't. It wasn't. It's like we weren't even playing the game. And it went, the ball went in. Here's a world on fire. Feels like a bad dream. Did the hammer come down? It feels like a kick in the teeth. Oh, this down on my luck. 
It's been getting me down on my knees It might have been something I need Cause I've been chasing, red racing Doing anything to win Now my grass looks like Augusta I got around to painting that fence I've been calling up my mama Doing some old friend checking in And it seems like where I'm going Might be better than where I've been Cause with all this going on I found the right in all this wrong And I finally see The good Lord knows better than me so much of this is like a spiritual process and like even my record deal i was i was already i was one foot out the door because of covid we were like hey my wife's pregnant i'm not making any money or not enough to su- support a family anyways my pub deal's up i don't have really anything to negotiate that i'm probably gonna have to go home and out of nowhere i get this call hey man you got management you got record deal you got this that and the other and i was like wait, what? You know, <laughs> I literally, I remember I got the phone call and I was literally on a walk with my dog just trying to get out of the house. Cause all I've been doing for the last three months is not sleeping and changing diapers. Yeah. And then, and expect you well, I guess I'll get my real estate license or something or, or just something else. You know, this is the end of my road. That was my thought. And I end up getting a management deal with, you know, the best manager I could ask for and, and the best label I could ask for. You know what I mean? It just kind of, it, it, it was divinely uh, uh, given. Felt like. that, that's amazing. And, and it came when you just were yourself. And that's the, that's the, the main thing. <clears throat> and here's like, if we, if we want to get into the kind of philosophy of this whole thing, sure. I think, because I kept saying, like, Nashville breaks your heart. It can't really break your heart because Nashville isn't something that you can blame for anything, right? The reality is Nashville is the greatest tool you could ever use to try and find your way in the music industry in any fashion. Getting mad at Nashville for any reason is like me getting mad at my guitar for a song not coming out. It's a tool. Nashville's a tool, and it's the best tool you could ever find for what we're doing. You know what I mean? And so that's something I recently learned in kind of this perspective of being like, okay, I am thankful just to have this, this, to be in the arena to play this game. Uh, and everything that I've been chasing that didn't necessarily work just gave me the skill set to be comfortable in the position I'm at right now, which I couldn't ask for a better position. And the other thing that, that people who know that song who have uh, Riley Green's CD is it's pretty cool to have, Randy Owen from Alabama, one of the great voices of all time, join him. Did, a, did you know that was going to happen? B, how how far into the universe did your mind blow when you found out that he was going to be part of something you created? Man, so the so many things about that were unique. I, I, like first first off was like the process of how it got cut. Obviously, that was out of the blue. Doesn't usually happen like that. It was just a work tape on an iPhone with an out-of-tune guitar that ended up turning into a cut <clears throat> with from one of my favorite artists. So that's plus. And then he records it on an acoustic album. So that's my release. That's my first major label release. And then he records it again, full band, and he adds Randy O. And I was like, 
holy smokes, because nobody told me. And I remember JD, my guy at Seagull, the guy I was talking about, the guy who showed uh, Riley the song, he just sent me the track. He didn't say a word. He didn't say a single word. And I just listened through it, and then that last chorus came in. And I just about cried. I was like, I cannot believe this. It was like, you know what I mean? Like, just the most underdog story you've ever heard especially like of all the songs. Cause like I said, there were so many times like over the years that I was like, this is, ex- I'm going to write this, this, you know, Kenny Chesney's looking for Keith Urban's looking for this song and we nailed it. He's going to cut it. And then it never sees the light of day. Mm-hmm. And then you have the song that, you know, for a matter of fact that nobody's even going to listen to. We just did that because it's cheaper than therapy. That's literally the only reason. <laughs> That's the only reason we wrote that song. And it turns into that whole thing. And it's like, you can't, you can't make that up. If the world does end, I'll take the last day slow. And if he does come back, I know where I'll go. And if he takes his time, well, I've learned one thing. Good Lord knows better than me. Cause I've been chasing, rat racing, doing anything to win. Now I make more time for fishing. I got my old truck running again. I went home to see my mama, been good hearing from old friends. And it seems like where I'm going might be better than where I've been. Cause with all this going on, I found the knows better than me better than me so much better than me cheaper than therapy is a song title you might be able to work something out with that that's pretty darn good And you do have a, a great way with, uh, w- with, with words. You're really good at turning a phrase. And for those who don't know you, I hope that they go through and, and hear clips of these songs and go listen to the whole thing. But like starting in 2017, uh, Smoke Out the Window, which I know you said you were kind of trying to write like other artists. But to me, that's a really unique song you're talking about. Uh, will you describe it? So that song was like the first time I was really getting to dive into like really like country songwriting. You know what I mean? Because it was like, there was all, I remember at that time that the big conversation was what, well, what is country music? I'm sure you've heard that. Mm -hmm. What is country music? What goes on country radio? 2017 was right around the time when bro country was like at its peak and people, and there there was also the comment about women in country with the, you know, being the tomatoes and the salad, that asinine comment. Yeah, you're right. There, there was a lot of discussion about what the music was. Well, and that was the industry that, that was the music that I, that was ground level for me. That's what I walked into. I I didn't have the perspective of writing through the 90s and the early 2000s to go, this isn't right, you know, because I I think that's where a lot of that was coming from. People that were used to a certain way of writing that turned into, hey, we're integrating hip hop and different genres into country music. And that's why it was getting that pushback. So I was in... Like, that was kind of where I was learning to write. Like, most people were writing that, the, the more pop stuff. Mm-hmm. And 
grew up listening to a lot of Jamie Johnson and country stuff. And like I said, I moved to Nashville just drumming. I'd never really written songs. I'd written a few songs. But that was my first time of like really diving down like a traditional country route. And and the thing that like struck the chord for me was how appropriate that style of like music fit this type of storytelling I like to tell. You in the front seat, camels on the dash. I wasn't gonna get hooked. I was too young for that. We had us a moment, and I just walked away. Turns out some habits are harder to break. But sometimes a night like this will find me right out of the blue. And that crave will kick right back in. Honey, I'll go to thinking about you Well, I should have done quit But here I sit, miles down the road Blowing smoke out the window Smoke out the window Who came up with the, the concept of uh, comparing, you know, kind of, you, you compare her memory to going and, and, and sneaking a smoke? It's just, it's such a cool, and that's like some of the best country songwriting just takes an ordinary act and turns it on its head. And, and that song does that. Well, I, I remember that. So, I mean, this we're talking six years ago. Yeah. But I remember I had that guitar, like, I just had that. And I remember we came in and Jeremy Bussey, like that was like such a I, I can you know when you're a new writer and and to, to this day I never at any point I'm like hey I know what I'm doing because then you're you know wasting your time I I always taking notes but I remember that time being like man I'm in the big leagues I, I I'm I gotta learn from this guy and that was just like one of the most like educational writes I'd ever been in like up to that point because I was like up to that point I was just writing with a bunch of new writers and we were all just you know fumbling through the dark trying to figure out if we could get a song mm-hmm. but that song i don't remember exactly how that hook came out it might have been jeremy's but i remember you know banging our head against the wall for about four hours and it finally came out and it, it was it was super cool we got it um another song that, that from your early years that i really like is is cover song yeah man so that was actually the first song i ever played or i ever wrote on earth that was the yeah the first song i ever wrote on this guitar oh wow i bought after I got married, because for whatever reason, when you get married, people give you money. <laughs> and I went and bought way too expensive guitar that I, I mean, I'm so glad I did because this is the best guitar I ever had. And I remember I sat down with Gary Stanton from Muscadine Bloodline. And uh, I was like, dude, check out this guitar. And I was like... And we just kind of just off to the races we were. You and me a perfect scene Girl, I never thought that I would be Broken as a soul bar store Sipping to forget just to thank you With the band in the back at the end of the night Got everybody singing the sweet Caroline But ain't nothing sweet about you And girl, I ain't singing along Should've known better than that Thought it was right, but I read it wrong Didn't thank you a 
I'd come back and leave again just to lead me on. Wouldn't have let you do it if I thought it was going on all along. You knew it. You played me like a cover song. I don't remember who had that title. I might have had it in my notes. Cover song. And then, like, with any, you know, writing session, you kind of sit there and see how you can twist it into something and make some origami out of it. And then, make, you know. <laughs> I like that too. See that—that's why you're a songwriter. You have a great way of, of of putting things. Have you always been a storyteller? I don't think so. I I don't. I see. I don't know. That's the thing. Like, I didn't sing before I moved to town. I didn't write songs before really? I moved to town. Yeah, yeah. I, I I mean, I learned. I knew guitar. I, I I like learned a few songs and like. But my whole thing was I just wanted to learn guitar parts and stuff, and it wasn't anything serious. But I didn't start singing really until I moved to town, and I, I, I think the unique, my my relationship with songwriting has been strictly professional, which has been super different. So like, because I've been drumming since I was a, like I was a kid since I was six, mm-hmm. so that's a, like that's always had like this intimate. I've always had that intimate relationship with it. But ever since I moved to Nashville, it's like the only time that I started songwriting, and so like it wasn't like. It was like once I got here, it was like, okay, you're going to learn how to do this now. And it was like completely from scratch. And same with songwriting. And honestly, I think there was a benefit because I didn't have anything to unlearn. I didn't know anything. Mm. So I got into town just a complete blank slate. And I knew I was a blank slate. So I was sitting there waiting for someone to tell me because anybody I met, I knew, knew more about songwriting than I did. So I just literally just soaked as much as I could up as like as quick as I could. And to this day, I still keep, I I try and keep that mindset of being like, yeah, I mean, whoever this is, I'm writing this. They have a perspective. I don't know. And I actually, remember hearing a a documentary about Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix used to do that. Like he would go into like these clubs in like New York. And they said that people would get like the people that he was hanging out would hanging out with would be like annoyed because they'd like want to leave because like the band sucked or something. But he would sit there and listen to their whole set, and he he had like made a made a, a like it was like principle for him. No matter like how bad a set was, he was going to learn something from whoever he was watching on stage. And that's an incredible way to approach creativity. Well, I mean, I guess anything, but like it, I, I kind of added that to like my songwriting process to being like. No matter who I'm writing with, thankfully I mainly just write with incredible writers, anyways. But no matter who I'm writing with, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn something from them. You know what I mean? But you know what? Also, that openness to to learning, you know, new ways of, of doing things. It it reminds me of a quote, and it's from uh, a basketball coaching legend George Carl, and he oh. he put a quote up that from Michael Jordan. Somebody asked Michael Jordan, you know, what has been your biggest strength throughout your career? And he said, I've always been coachable. I've always had a passion to learn. I've always wanted to get better. Yeah. As rock solid a ball player as he is, maybe the best of all time, to still have some kind of inner humility to know that you don't know it all and and that there's always something else that you can learn. That's a pretty rare thing. Man, and not to get too much into philosophy, but I, uh, if you're not careful having a natural gift for something can be a hindrance because you, for whatever reason, can pick up a drum, some drumsticks and just, you got it. If you don't ever have to try, you probably won't try. And, and if you already get the confirmation you were looking for, because you were, I don't know, someone said that you were the best third grader that he ever saw play drums. 
you're only going to be as good as that really good third grader. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if you come from the opposite side of the spectrum where everybody goes, man, you suck. George, Michael Jordan, perfect example. You're not good enough to play college basketball. Yeah. Okay. Point made. And so he went ahead and said, I don't know, or I have work to do. And he did the work probably beyond what anybody else would have expected of him. And I think that underdog energy is kind of the thing that pushes people to greatness. You know what I mean? Or at least to their, whatever their limit is. Yeah. I think there was one season Jordan wasn't, somebody criticized his defense. Oh, he's a good offensive player, but he's not very good on defense. So the next year he went out and he won the the defensive player of the year award. I like the underdog energy. That's either a song or a t-shirt, maybe both. It's scary when it all works, I, I'm going to be honest. Whenever things are working for me, I get nervous. <laughs> <laughs> because you're just, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, perspective-wise, you are just starting out. And you mentioned at the beginning of this that you're doing an, uh, an album that's autobiographical. And I think it's interesting yeah. to just be so personal right off the bat like that. It probably is the best way that you could approach it because the only thing that you can bring to music is yourself. Uh, You you have three or four songs from your EP that jumped out at me that I instantly related to because you you sing about your, your father passing and, and uh, you know, the the firebird that he had and, and you, you, in fact, you have a great line. I think it's my favorite line of yours um, where you say, I don't feel you in that gravestone and dirt but I do in your old firebird and I'm gonna, I'm choking up just reading that. I, I, it's, it's so perfect. My dad had a little pickup truck that I got after he passed away. And uh, same thing. I, I can relate to that so much. And we have so much in common, all of us like collectively that we don't even realize it. So when you share your personal experiences, like with this album, I'll bet there are going to be so many people connecting to it in ways that you can't even imagine right now. Well, I, I, I've seen a little bit of that. I think with Firebird, that was kind of the, the, the first time I saw something so personal be so uh, widely accepted or related to, like you're saying. Uh, because I, don't, I didn't expect people to relate to that because it's so specific. Getting to do this, and, and I know we were joking about like cheaper than therapy. That's really what this was, man. It was like I, I had to get some, I had to air out some stuff. I had to air out some closets and some emotions and experiences. And I wanted to write it down, and I wanted to put it in a palatable way to my to where my son would want to listen to it and learn from it. Got it up to a hundred miles an hour one time, barely old enough to drive that. Nineteen sixty nine, four hundred fourth gear, still chirping tires. Probably let it die a thousand times. It red lights and stop signs. I know you wish you could have showed me how to drive, but it taught me just fine. Probably would have sold it by now. If you were still around, cause it ain't worth the we put in it, but it's still sitting in mama's house. And every once in a while, I'll crank it up and see you smile, cause I don't fear you in that gravestone and dirt, but I do in your old firebird. In your old firebird. I was nine years old. If, if it's something people can relate to, it won't go out of style because there is no ego behind it. It's not trying to be cool. It's trying to be exactly what it is. And it's all true stories. You say it's autobiographical. I'm sure it's not all 
cathartic dealing with, you know, losing your, your father. You've got, you know, a song like Rather Be Broke or, or, or Still Those Kids. I love Still Those Kids. I've been yeah. married 32 years, and my wife and I are still those kids at times. Talk a little bit about that song. Well, so Still Those Kids is just that, man. My wife and I have been together uh, dating since she was 15 and I was 16 in high school. And, like, I just was, I remember that day we were writing, I had that title on my, in my phone, and I was kind of just thinking, like, man, so much has changed from when, you know, we were just kind of taking our weekends and running down to the beach and just eating burritos and mm-hmm. wasting time with kids to having our own child and having jobs and responsibilities, a house and car and phone. But it's like we're still, at the end of the day, like it's just a reminder to my wife that like we're still those those kids no matter what. So you can't take that away from us. We're still those two kids that fell in love that young. Girl, we've been together for a good while now. Been acting our rage, been settling down. Bought a little red brick north side of town. Finally got what we always talked about. A whole lot's changed since we were 16. Back when we couldn't burn enough gasoline. But looking at you in that shotgun seat takes me back to when it was you and me and Red Hot Chili Peppers on the radio. Singing along and drumming on the wheel. Wet Hot Summer underneath the live oak. Still remember how good it feels in that white hot sun bleaching up in ultra. guy and you got so much potential and, and I'm, I'm so glad we caught you now it, it'll be fun to look up five years from now and see if i can even get a hold of you well it's five years to do this again man i, I love this i love talking shop this is my favorite thing to do well merry christmas i hope you have a great time with your family and uh nothing but good things is the album coming out in 2023 oh baby we got a lot coming in 2023 <laughs> <laughs> all right man jordan fletcher thank you so much thanks tom this has been a blast man i can't wait to do it again Sweethearts that couldn't wait to grow up Yeah, we're still those kids Still in love Still those kids forever young Still those kids even though we grew up Thank you for checking out this latest podcast. And if you're new to Write You a Song, go back through the archives. Talk with some of the best songwriters in country music. Shane McAnally, Josh Osborne, Ashley Gorley, Ross Copperman, Liz Rose, Jesse Alexander, J.T. Harding, Nicole Gallion, and I could go on and on and on. But I won't. Write You a Song is a production of Bonneville International Communications and KNCI Radio in Sacramento. I'm Tom Maley. Take care of yourself. Still those kids.